are listening to The Cooler Ring, a podcast made for manufacturing marketers. Here are Carmen Perry and Jeff White. Welcome to The Cooler Ring. My name is Jeff White, and joining me today is Carmen Perry. Carmen, how are you doing, mate? I am doing well, Jeff. Uh, good to be chatting. Yeah, it is, for sure. It's uh, always nice to um, uh, I, I get a chance to uh, speak with... Uh, we, I think we've had a, a really interesting string of, of guests of late who are just bringing such a in-depth uh, amount of knowledge into really certain uh, niche or niche aspects of manufacturing marketing. Uh, Depending on what side of border you're on, yeah. uh, and 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 then uh, and today, I mean, it's really we're turning our attention towards uh, the trade show. I mean, it is. I don't know how many manufacturing marketers I speak to that say 85 percent of our budget goes to trade shows. Uh, so you know, a, a huge part of increasing our marketing performance is getting that performance better. Absolutely. And I think today's guest is going to help us do that. Yeah, for sure. And we're really excited to uh, have Steve Miller joining us from the other end of the continent over in Seattle. Uh, Steve is uh, with the Adventure LLC, and his title is Kelly's Dad and Marketing Gunslinger. And in addition to that, Steve works with the International Manufacturing Technology Show as a strategic marketer and uh, all-around expert and author of the book Uncopyable. So Steve, welcome to the Cooler Ring. Thank you very much. I obviously after you know you say you've had these different types of people. Well, let's just see if we can make this even a little bit more different. Okay. <laughs> well, look, uh, yes, the bar has been set reasonably high by previous guests, but it's I think true. you'll do just fine, Steve. Uh, we can we can we can bring that back down to normal. So okay, we'll just <laughs> <laughs> nice. Uh, see, why don't we start by uh, just uh, why don't you give our listeners just a bit of a glimpse into uh, who you are and uh, uh, maybe a, a two minute uh, look inside your brain, if you will. Yeah, well, thanks, Alex. Uh, just like on Jeopardy, right? Um, so yeah, no, I'm a, a marketing, strategic marketing and branding consultant. Uh, I have been doing this now for about 32, 33 years. Something like that. Um, I've got a pretty varied background. Uh, not really important to get into, but uh, I have been consulting directly with AMT and IMTS now for about 26 years, as well as a number of other uh, uh, trade shows in many different industries. Also work with corporations of various sizes, mostly mid-sized companies, uh, and uh, help them to make more money. But, but uh, in particular. Uh, I help companies to differentiate themselves uh, from the competition, and that's it. That's kind of it in a nutshell. And uh, one of the areas, of course, with IMTS that you're helping companies do that is to understand uh, to understand the trade show experience and the trade show dynamic, if you will, better, and then to reorient the trade show experience that they create and how they approach uh, that work in order to get more out of it. So right. let's, uh, let's just dive into that. And um, yeah. what, what, do you, what do you see as being the, you know, some of the big shifts that, are, that you've seen happening in, in your time working with IMTS? How have trade shows evolved? Well, like I said, you know, I've been working with them for 26 years, as well as uh, many other uh, events in many other industries. I, and I've personally, you know, I come from the sales and marketing background, so I had to do the trade shows. And 20 years ago, 
you know, you went to you went to trade shows to write orders. That's what you did. Uh, and quite frankly, there was a very good reason for that. Um, be- before the internet and before technology really started exploding like it has today, computer technology in particular, uh, you know, we had we were limited in the ways we could communicate with people. You know, we had uh, post office, uh, we had the telephone. And then we had face to face if you could get on an airplane or get on a, on a train or something like that. So it was a, and, and so it was a very limited type of uh, connection with your marketplace. And industry started to figure out that they could have a, a, an annual or a biannual or a semiannual uh, event where the industry would get together under one roof. Buyers and sellers would all get together in one, under one roof. And and so that would be the big event of the year, for example. Uh, and uh, and and when they would go, uh, they would use that as the opportunity to write orders for, you know, if the show is an annual show, they would write orders for, you know, the next six to nine months or something like that at the show. And everybody was happy because they could go. It didn't cost, you know, the, the, the buyers could see all the all the vendors and suppliers under one roof and the vendors could see all the buyers. You know, under one roof. It was a very efficient marketplace for them. Uh, since technology has just, you know, taken over our lives, uh, and in particular the ability to communicate with each other, you know, how many different ways do we have to be able to communicate with each other now? I mean, it's it's you know, it's it's not. It's not a, a few hundred. It's thousands and thousands of ways to to be able to communicate. We're communicating with people right now uh, in a way that we couldn't do 20 years ago. Uh, and so now because of that, the you know companies don't necessarily wait, uh, or I should say buyers in particular, don't wait for a trade show to write orders. This is just done. It's done all year round now, and uh, uh, and even companies who used to wait for the big event every year to introduce their brand new products, like uh, you know, for example, we were chatting and and I you know said that my dad was co-inventor of the eight-track tape player. I still remember my dad and his team when they were developing the very first prototype of that, sweating bullets twenty-four-seven for several days to get the prototype ready for the Consumer Electronics Show uh, in Chicago. And they had to have it there uh, at that event because if they didn't, and and at that time, CES was twice a year. And they knew if they did not introduce it at that show, they would have to wait six months to be able to introduce it to the marketplace. That's not true anymore. So as a result, the idea of seeing something new, brand new for the first time at a trade show is not nearly as important anymore uh, as writing orders at a trade show is not as important as, as it used to be. And so because of that, the suppliers, uh, um, it's, it's, they're confused. They're, they're very confused now about this marketplace because, as you said, ex- trade shows are very expensive. They take huge chunks out of somebody's marketing budget, and when uh, and and so and when they used to go and write orders, they could immediately tell after the show was over with did they make money or not. Doesn't work that way. Yeah, yeah, and that's and that with that with that expense, as you, of course comes uh, comes pressure to deliver results, and um, and how results are being defined. It sounds like you're saying uh, is basically antiquated. 
that you can't be determining results based upon orders written. Yeah, you're almost never going to have immediate ROI numbers coming out yeah. of a trade show no. anymore. No, well, you may even not even be able to uh, uh, determine Quantify the success leads. of. Uh, yeah. It may not even be on a number of sales conversations or sales no. meetings. So that may be too down. Yeah. Well, but you should be, but you should be able to to pr project, and that that's part of what the new education is all about. Uh, that I've been trying to help exhibitors to understand over the years is that uh, with this change. You have to you have to understand your funnel better than you ever have. You have to understand, uh, you know, what percentage. You know, if we start at the top of the funnel, and you say, like, if there's a hundred thousand companies out there, what percentage of them fit the exact profile of our target market? In my book, uh, Uncopyable, I call them moose. They're the moose in the forest. Uh, and so you're just going after, so what percentage of all the animals in the forest are moose? And then what percentage of those moose really, uh, um, you know, qualify to be our best leads? And then what percentage of our leads ultimately become customers? And then what percentage of our customers stay with us for five years, 10 years, things like that? Companies and and this is one of the things that when I'm working with companies, I'm gonna I'm gonna tell you I would say 90 to 95 percent of companies cannot answer those questions, uh, and I say if you can't answer those questions, you cannot predict, you cannot project numbers at all. Any you know is at a trade show, um, annually or anything. You're just guessing. Absolutely. I mean, if you if you don't know that those conversion percentages, you have no idea what the value is of introducing one new person into your universe. I mean, basically, is what you're saying. Yeah, exactly. So, like, if I walk out, you know, if I know if I know my numbers, then let's say I I, uh, I go I go to IMTS, and the objective at IMTS is well, we've got all these animals in the forest coming down the aisle. I want to find the moose, and then I want to find the moose who uh, I want to continue a conversation with. You know that they are they are the highly qualified leads, and if I say to myself, "Okay, at at the end of the event, I'm going to walk away with 50, 50 of these moose," and if I know that my next next percentage, if my my next step percentage is twenty percent, you know, because I already know my numbers, right? Then I know that I'm going to have t out of those those 50, I'm going to have 10 new customers. How much, how much are those customers worth to me? So that's how you're able to measure your success. But you have to know those, those conversion percentages. And you, you talk a, a lot about how, you know, since you're not going all the way to writing an order at a trade show anymore, you need to be able to take that, you know, that prospect, that lead, that potential customer, you know, to the point where you can't take them any further at the trade show. What, what, what do you mean by that? Can you unpack that a little bit? Well, it's, uh, it, it's like you're, you know, at the conversation is different because you're not just there to sell a product. Uh, uh, you're, you're now becoming much more of a marketer than you are a sales focused, uh, company. And, and a marketer is somebody who is, you're going to, you, uh, you know, Peter Drucker always said that the purpose of business is to create a customer. So you're going there, uh, and you're there to do two things. You know, number one is you're there at IMTS to create a customer. Well, that means you have to start to go through that relationship building process with the customer. Uh, um, you're also obviously going to meet with customers that you already have. Uh, but let's let's stick with the first one here uh, now. Is that so? As you meet people 
who you do not have a relationship with, you are now going through the process of understanding them better now and their needs and how you connect the dots with them. Uh, and in your conversations with them, you should you want to go as far as you possibly can to where you finally get to a point where, okay, you cannot really go any farther. You know, you're, you're not, you're, you're still several steps away from writing an order. You know, maybe it's simply like you say, okay, in order for me to uh, better understand um, your situation so that I can give you the exact right solution to your situation, I need to fly out to your, your shop. You know, I need to fly out to your facility and, and you need to show me exactly what it is that you're looking, you're looking for. So can I set an appointment with you right now to go do that? That's what I'm talking about is you, is you're going to get to a point and maybe it's not an appointment to go visit with them. Maybe it's, maybe it's that, that, oh, there's more information. You know, the, the attendee says, oh, I don't have that information with me. And so then you say, oh, okay, so, uh, we've gotten as far as we can here in this conversation why don't we set a phone appointment, you know, for, you know, next Tuesday at 10 o'clock and we can, and you can get that information together get those figures together and, and we can continue our conversation. So that would be the next step. Right. And, and those, I mean, that's a couple of examples of what you're looking for. I think the, I mean, you really paint a picture of, um, well, um, the the way uh, buying is facilitated via trade shows is fundamentally different, and than than it was in, since the heyday of the trade show, of course, or when it kind of first became de rigueur. And then um, that that buyer journey has changed, and the fact that buyers are starting at well because they can self start, they can they don't have to wait for the six month trade show or what have you or the every year trade show in order to begin their market discovery. They're all starting whenever they're starting uh, at a time that suits them. So that means when they arrive at the trade show, every buyer it almost necessarily by definition is arriving at a different to that trade show at a different place in their buying journey. Yeah, they're not all starting from zero anymore. Right. So we create boy that. That's exactly right. We create these trade show experiences that almost assume everybody starts is starting from the same place. Like we create these trade show experiences. Oh, it's all about a demo. Well, some people may be well beyond demo phase, as an example, and other people may be well before that. Just using that as an, as a, a, a you know as as a small example, but it, it would seem to me that we need to really think about that entire buying journey the aspects uh, of it that the trade show can actually impact meaningfully and then reimagine the trade show experience that we create to uh, align with that and to be able to meet different buyers who are at different places and just stream with them almost in a seamless way like we already knew where they were at and we've just joined them along the way. Well, and I think, yeah, bingo, you nailed it. I think, too, there's something interesting there as well, knowing what we know now about the size of buying groups is that it's not just going to be all the same people arriving at the trade show either. You know, you could be your salespeople could be meeting with an engineer. They could be meeting with a procurement person. They could be meeting with, you know, any one of up to a dozen people potentially who may have influence over that buying decision could be attending that trade show now, whereas before in the old uh, utopia trade show sales world, um, it, it would have been pretty much, you know, all the, all very similar people yeah, arriving. Very one-to-one -one in some way. Yeah. 
Yeah, that's a real good point because, uh, in fact, that's something we focused on really hard with IMTS over the years. And and if you remember, uh, in uh, the last, you know, in eighteen, you know, we had a huge bump in attendance, and I and 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 I don't think that anything, any one thing happened between sixteen and eighteen that caused it. I think it was a culmination of of things like like you know we've been focusing on on buying groups, for example, um, or or just teams of uh, from a company. You know, for example, because one of the things that we recognize is that uh, there are multiple roles in the buying process nowadays. You know, you, you think in terms of there's 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 somebody who is going to uh, write the check. Uh, there's somebody who's who's going to be the decision maker who says yes or no. And then there's somebody who's going to be the user uh, of the product or service that, that you've got. Now, in some cases, it's all that's all the same person. Um, but you know, more and more, it's multiple people and, you know, from the same company. And all, all of those people uh, are going to be involved in the decision-making process uh, uh, in some form or other. They might have just, just have influence over the decision, but they're going to have that, they're, they're, they're going to be involved in some way or other. And every one of them is coming into this process with a very different conversation going on in their mind. Uh, and so when, and, you know, and these teams don't travel, don't, don't necessarily always travel together, you know, on the show floors, they separate and they, they go out and they hit different exhibits. Then they'll meet it. They'll meet, you know, they'll, very commonly what they do is, you know, we've tracked these guys and, and what we've learned is it, is they'll, they all come, they've all got assignments about where they're going in the morning. They all go in the morning, then they meet for lunch and then they say, okay, here's where you guys have to go back to, here's where you need to go you know, go to, uh, because we've already, you know, we've kind of, kind of, you know, laid the groundwork with the, with this one exhibitor. Um, and so, you know, Bob, you need to go over there and talk to those guys, you know, from your perspective. All right. So, um, you know, so that's how the teams are working and we, ha- you know, and the exhibitors have to be prepared for, to have a conversation with each person on that team. And it's not the same conversation, right. That you had with the other people. Uh, you know, because the finance guy is going to have a different conversation, you know, than the uh, uh, than the machinist, for example, right? So, uh, you know, and that's why it's 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 changed so much from, like you say, the old days of, you know, somebody comes in and they just demo a product and say, you know, you want to buy it, right? And nowadays it's 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 much more of a you know many steps in the process of of building building that relationship. Are your digital marketing efforts bringing in too many junk leads? Stop wasting time and distracting your sales team. Account-based marketing can help give your marketing strategy the laser focus on qualified buyers that you need to increase your pipeline velocity, close more deals, and grow your business faster. We've created a sample manufacturing ABM plan to help you get started. Download the sample manufacturing ABM plan at bit.ly slash sample ABM. That's B-I-T dot L-Y slash sample abm i really think we're um we're in the you know in the, in the course of doing this show we're really just creating a, a lovely kind of playbook in some way for mm-hmm. how people ought to, to to think about their their trade show investment and presence and I, you know you've been loud and clear that that first of all needs to start with a proper abm understanding you need to know your target client organizations who you're actually trying to sell to and and you need to have done contact ID in advance of the show around who in those organizations am I likely to be seeing at this show? Mm-hmm. Frankly, have they entered our world before? 
Um, are they, you know, have have they visited our site in the past? Have they downloaded our content? Have they interacted with our digital presence in any way? To what extent can our um, uh, basically Martech stack give us any kind of intelligence about um, uh, where they are at in that buyer's journey? Can we surface that information via CRM or whatever? When can can we do contact ID when people enter the booth? Um, so that we can meet people at that space. Of course, people self-identify who they are, and that can help speed things along as well. And then we need to, as marketers, really identify the steps in the buying journey that we can meaningfully shape with that trade show experience. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's exactly right. Yeah. And the the uh, uh, and I'm going to say that in in more cases than not, the the buyer, the attendee that comes into your booth is probably going to know more about you than you know about them. Absolutely. Yeah. The, the, the information advantage is reversed. It's completely inverted. Yeah. 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 Which puts you at a disadvantage <laughs> quite, quite frankly, but if you're able to, you know, it, it, and you know, this is something that I also think is really important is that, you know, if you're marketing, you know, if you're marketing, people can help you to identify these people, you know, your prospects in advance, Right. Uh, and if you're able to uh, to and, and if there's some way to have some type of contact with them in advance, you know, some type of lead scoring mechanism uh, uh, done in advance. Well, then, you know, if I can pick out, uh, you know, let's just say, you, you know, that that really, really highly qualified moose in advance. Well, then I am going to absolutely bend over backwards in advance of IMTS to make sure they come and see me. Uh, uh, Pre-show becomes so critically important uh, anymore that I often say to people, look, if you don't already have, if you haven't already guaranteed your success before you go to IMTS, well, you're already, you're already losing the game. Well, of course it's, I I kind of almost picture it's it's this point where you, uh, I guess if we can keep the analogy of the moose going a little bit here, <laughs> I don't know how well this will hold we together. Are, we are in northeastern Canada, yeah. so that's that's okay. Everybody, yeah, yeah, you guys, yeah, absolutely. But, uh, but you know, in some way, that pre-show work helps you kind of run up alongside the moose a little bit, get pace with it, under you know, understand where they're at in the journey, so that you can. Um, you know, you can be more synchronized when you actually do encounter them at the show. Um, and, and beyond that, that step identification that we talked about and looking at what you can meaningfully impact in the trade ex- trade show experience that you're now going to optimize, well, then the identification of that helps you then align what talent you need to have at that actual show. And it's not probably just not salespeople, it's maybe, you know, engineers and other other folks who are perhaps uh, able to speak uh, more credibly at, to, to, to certain people at certain points in the process. You even mentioned, you know, you talk to the, the CFO differently than you talk to the, uh, the lead engineer or something. Yeah. I mean, that's, you, you know, you just really nailed it because you see that really shows how different trade show exhibiting is today as compared to what it used to be, uh, is that you have to have the people who can answer the questions, you know, for them, there in the booth, uh, you know, in the past you were just there to sell, you know, I mean, literally, you know, the staff or the salespeople would walk around holding their, you know, order forms you know, for the next person <laughs> you know? and they would have, yeah. 
like I said, utopia. Yeah, utopia. Yeah. Indeed. Yeah, yeah, and and I mean, we loved it. We all loved it that we're doing that. I mean, because you know, gosh, we could just go there. It it was like printing money, uh, and uh, that you know, the the gold rush is over. You know, but it does not take away from the value at all. Because I'm telling you, if if I can go to one location for a few days and have my moose walk walking down there, I am going to go do that. And quite frankly. Still today, as as good as I think uh, the level of of exhibitors uh, at IMTS, I think is so much higher than than all the other trade shows around the world because because IMTS has just bent over backwards to help educate the exhibitors over the years uh, um, d- because they want them to succeed, and so I think that the level of these exhibitors is much much higher, and even with that. Um, a really, really good exhibitor just kicks everybody else's butt. Well, that's what I was going to ask. I was, you know, and maybe looking even beyond IMTS, when we look at the trade show um, performance over overall, it's kind of an aggregate. I mean, it, it, and you look at what the, the what you're what you're suggesting here in the course of our last twenty minutes or so together, uh, in terms of if that's the north star, you know how close are people coming to it really i guess you know do you feel like people are really behind the eight ball you know some folks are catching up or you know just nobody still gets nobody gets it yet where are we at do you hear a lot of resistance in the training that you do pre-show with these folks well i don't do so much training uh anymore uh uh, myself but you know but i still work with a lot of the exhibitors a lot of companies just overall on their marketing and and of course you, you know i have a very very strong uh, opinion about that the trade shows still have enormous value, and that that for the most part their uh, competitors are weak uh, at at trade shows. Um, I I'm but I'm dead serious when I say that the the level of exhibitors at IMTS is is far far better than than it used to be, way better than. Uh, other major trade shows and other industries uh, and, and that type of stuff. And you got, you know, there's some examples. I mean, the, the one that I love to always talk, kind of talk about is, is Royal master. Um, those, it's not a big booth. I think it's maybe a 30 by 30 or something like that, you know? So they're kind of a midsize, midsize company. Um, but they just, they, you know, they get the idea that, uh, you know, you, you have to, you know, pre-show is extremely important to them. They're very, very clear about who their who their moose is, uh, so that they are doing everything that they can to get as many moose and you know to to cross that invisible electrified fence uh, into their booth, uh, and that if they're not a moose, they don't come in. You know, so you know, so the information, the signage, the messaging, everything like that is designed to be moose bait. And, uh, um, you know, and if you don't, if you don't like moose bait, then you just keep walking and that's exactly what you want to have happen. Yeah. Yeah. Obviously you want to be focused. Uh, uh, you want to focus your resources accordingly. And, um, part of that is, uh, helping people self-select in advance if mm-hmm. they're, uh, they're with target or not. Yeah. Companies, uh, you know, one of the biggest mistakes that companies have made since the idea of writing orders at the shows has kind of gone away. One of the biggest mistakes is they think that now the the default definition is traffic in the booth. And, you know, they'll say, our 
our our booth was packed. Yeah, exactly. You know, it's it's you know how many people come to your website. You know, I just don't care how many people come to my website. I only care about my my moose, uh, and um, you know, and I, I I just don't care that everybody comes into my booth. Uh, um, I I tell them to go to my competitors' booth. <laughs> you know, <laughs> please, my competitors want you to come into their booth, uh, and you know, but I don't want you to come into our booth. So uh, uh, you know, getting away from that concept of, of traffic. Uh, uh, is is uh, uh, you know a measurement of success? That's 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 such, that's probably the number one hurdle that I've had to overcome over the years is to just get people to understand. It doesn't matter that there are one hundred fifty thousand people walking through the front door. If you you know if you only talk to one hundred people, and as a result you write ten million dollars worth of business, you win. <laughs> you know, so. Yeah, exactly. And, and you know what? For marketers listening to that uh, bit of uh, exceptional advice, I would encourage them to look at their website in the exact same way. It doesn't matter that 150,000 people showed up at your website if you can only have 100 uh, organizations that can buy from you on the planet. Uh, you need to know who they are in advance and be measuring to what extent is your digital presence actually attracting them, uh, not just organic search uh, volumes gone up 200%. Uh, so you are preaching to the choir. I think that they're in so. Oh, I'm sorry. So I'm, I, I shouldn't be saying, <laughs> I'm kidding. Of course they, <laughs> we have to beat these people over the head with this stuff is what we have to do. Yeah. Yeah, no, it is. Um, I, I think it's, it's, it's a really key insight, frankly, to understand that when we, and we've actually in some ways made the, I, I would say even in this podcast, we've made the mistake of referring to the funnel and, uh, uh, I, I'm, I'm really increasingly of the view that the funnel doesn't exist. The funnel's flawed because it has a myth of unlimited top of funnel. And that's not the case for so many B2B organizations. There's a limited number of people who they can sell to. There's a limited number of people that meet their target client profile. Um, and that's how they need to be measuring success. So I, um, so Steve, I guess I, I didn't know this before we started this podcast, but I, I love the fact that you're providing me all kinds of backup for this thinking. Oh, good. <laughs> and, and it's recorded. It's, you know, it's, it's down for history. Okay. We can just, you know, <laughs> and you don't have to switch uh, programs on the eight track in order to listen to it no. in its entirety. Ka-chunk. <laughs> Ka-chunk. <laughs> here, here it comes. It was a good noise. I, I do. I do certainly remember it. <laughs> Yeah, it was it was a heck of a noise, that's for sure. But it changed the industry, changed music. There is a ton of people listening to this podcast that will have no idea what we're talking about. <laughs> um, Think cassette tapes, but larger. Yeah, yeah, there. You know, yeah. Look it up in your history. You know, Google eight track tapes. You know, and you're gonna go. Frankly, it's how I feel when I make a Seinfeld reference that works. Oh my gosh. <laughs> There's only like half the people know what I'm talking about. So, so I, so I shouldn't talk about like Lucille Ball or. Oh, nobody will know who you're talking. About. <laughs> <laughs> sure. Is. I mean, we're we're barely hanging <laughs> on to that oh one. My gosh, are you kidding? <laughs> uh, Steve, I, I wonder, you know, if there are any kind of parting words of wisdom here as we're um, as we're wrapping up today's show. Well, I I. I always say that the the number one thing, in fact, what I what I teach is that the vast majority of 
marketers actually have learned wrong because and and they have developed bad habits and they are marketing backwards. And what I mean by that is that too many companies that I go in and sit down with, you know, they go, well, you know, can you help us with our social media strategy? That's like asking me if I could help them with their fax strategy. Uh, there, there is no social media strategy. Social media is a tool. It's a medium. The strategy starts with the market. Who is your moose? Identify your moose first. Figure out where they hang out second. Then develop a message that is moose bait that they will be interested in. And when I say figure out where they hang out, see, the interesting thing is the default answer is not social media. There is no default answer to that, that question. Every market has a different answer. In, in Seattle, where I live right now, in Washington, you know, we're a, you know, our state legalized cannabis. Your country legalized cannabis, right? Our, our state legalized cannabis. The, now, you would think that their moose would be social media you know, that would be where they would go. Yeah, you're, you're, you think that's what it should be, right? The bottom line is the number one marketing tool for the cannabis shops in Washington are billboards because they just put a billboard up and all they say is cannabis one block, <laughs> right? On your right. And if you are a moose, if you are, if, or I should say, if you're not a cannabis you know, smoker or something. If you don't smoke marijuana, you ignore it and you keep driving. If you are a cannabis user, then your brain is immediately thinking, do I need cannabis? <laughs> and, and, if, and you're thinking, yeah, I do need cannabis. Or, well, even if I don't need cannabis, it would be quick for me just to go in and I'll buy some to make sure I have cannabis, right? So that billboards are Every cannabis shop around here within one or two blocks in both directions are billboards for that cannabis shop. And that's what's that's been there. So so the the tool is always developed by where are the moose hanging out? What is going to, you know, what is going to be the most the easiest way to attract the moose? Sometimes it's social media. So, you know, sometimes it's not. You know, sometimes it's direct mail, sometimes it's TV, sometimes it's radio, sometimes it's billboards. Who knows? But you got to know your moose before you can make that decision. But too many companies go, oh, well, we, you know, we really, you know, we put 100% of our money into online marketing. And I just want to just, you know, break their necks. <laughs> you know, who made that decision? <laughs> uh I love that as a parting wisdom. Moose yeah. first. Uh, as Moose somebody first, who grew up for in, cannabis billboards. Yes. Yeah. Uh, as somebody who grew up uh, in uh, rural New Brunswick, Canada, uh, in a moose hunting family, um, <laughs> uh, I'm now kind of wanting a moose roast. Uh, but look, we'll uh, save that for another day. Um, Steve, look, it's been fantastic. I uh, appreciate you coming on to the show and sharing your uh, your wisdom and experience with our listeners. Thanks so much. Hey, my pleasure, Jeff. Carmen, uh, appreciate being invited. Chat soon now. Thanks a lot. All the Bye-bye. best. Thanks for listening to The Cooler Ring with Carmen Perry and Jeff White. Don't miss a single manufacturing marketing insight. Subscribe now at coolapartners.com slash thecoolerring. 
That's K-U-L-A partners.com slash the cooler ring. 